ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And before we get into this week's topic, just a reminder that we love listener feedback. So if you have any comments on a previous episode of Ignition that you'd like to offer us, uh, any ideas for future topics, please feel free to send them to Bishop Sway. I mean, to me uh, at my email at, <laughs> at my email address. Uh, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org c-b-u-r-g-w-a-l-d at sfcatholic.org Sound straight good, to the top right there we go um, and father and I have talked to you I, I, I know that uh, I know that there are people listening father talks to some of you I talk to some of you and we appreciate um, our listenership if that's a word right father si sí, senor Yes. Uh, so this week today, we're recording uh, this podcast the day before Independence Day, the day before the conclusion of the Fortnite for Freedom, um, July 3rd, which for the church is the feast of St. Thomas the Apostle, uh, who is, uh, as telling Father beforehand, somewhat, I think, unfortunately known more commonly or popularly as um, Doubting Thomas. Um, my dad's first name is Tom Thomas. My middle name is Thomas, and and Dad asks a lot of questions. Hi, Dad, if you listen to this podcast. Um, Hi, Dad. And, and he uh, he asks questions. He's like, "Well, I'm just a doubting Thomas." And, I, and I, Father, my my own, my thing about that is, I mean, there was this short window where you know maybe a week where he was a doubting Thomas, but then the rest of his life he was a man of deep faith who 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 gave his life for the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, both in the sense of going out at the command of his Lord to proclaim uh, the good news and giving his life literally, uh, being martyred, uh, we traditionally believe, somewhere in India. So he gets a bad rap when we call him Doubting Thomas, don't you think? I think so. I think, you know, uh, you make one mistake in your life and you pay for it the whole time. <laughs> the, rest of, the rest of history, apparently. <laughs> I know. Although, so, you know... Uh, uh, that certainly is. I mean, it's, it, it is a bum rap. But at the same time, I don't know if he's necessarily um, utterly uh, 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 verklempt about it or torn up about it. Right. Well said. Yes, I'm, I'm not sure that it's um, <coughs> weighing on his mind or heart too much. As I'd be speak. more of an intercessor for them if they wouldn't call me doubting all the time. <laughs> The other thing too, it, Father, I, I hadn't mentioned this before, just but again, we see in Scripture the the humanity of the apostles. You know, it, again, here's an indication or a um, an example of how these guys weren't by any means perfect. We always think of Peter, of course, and his failures, and Paul, uh, the persecutor before the great um, proclaimer. Um, but here, Thomas, another classic example of the the fallibility. And the humanity in the in the sense of weakness um, of the apostles. So, which again, I, I think is is a great um, reminder to us that you know we all start imperfect, but we're called to move towards perfection. We're always converting. Uh, indeed. So, um, I, I thought I proposed to Father just as a starting point for uh, for for Thomas and some of the themes of of, of his 
well, of this episode in particular, by just looking at the, the gospel account from, um, from today's Mass. It's, it's from John's Gospel. If you want to look it up, it's chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. So this is, um, Jesus had appeared to the, well, to the ten, um, to, to the apostles, minus, of course, Judas, and, and minus Thomas, on Easter Sunday, the evening of the resurrection. He appeared to all of them. But Thomas, for whatever reason, maybe he was out, out getting groceries, we don't know, uh, he wasn't there when Jesus appeared to, to his brother apostles uh, that, that the evening of, of, of that first Sunday, the first Easter. Um, and so the, his, his brother apostles tell him, we've seen the Lord. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, that, that, that's that's maybe a paraphrase. That's a contemporary English translation of the uh, of the Greek. He, Thomas whatever. says, "Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe." And then it says a week later, uh, Thomas is with his brother apostles. Jesus again comes again comes into their midst. Um, and says, peace be with you to all of them. And then he invites Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. And then Thomas answers and said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, "How have you come to believe because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. So Jesus appears before them to, invites Thomas to, to t- do what he said, I will not believe until I do this, put the, his hands and the nail marks and so on. Um, and, and, and Thomas has this great act of faith, my Lord and my God. After Jesus says to him, do not be unbelieving, but believe. I, this just a very dramatic account to me, Father. What do you think? Very much so. I mean, it, it certainly is. It carries that, that weight and that, and that uh, drama is really the right word. I mean, it's um, in a lot of ways, it's something that we probably consider uh, almost like taken from today. What do you mean? Well, just in today, in our own crisis of faith and things like that, you know, it's um, it's also dramatic in the sense like that it's in the sacred text. You know, that someone doubts in this way. You know, I think a lot of times the way maybe people might think about the Bible may be you know, a nice and tidy presentation of. Uh, Christian teaching, you know, uh, especially maybe in our own day and age where we think about publicity and spin and, you know, and think about things being whitewashed so that mistakes people make don't appear um, edited in that sense. Uh, so, the, like, the real drama of real life is right there. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does. So, uh, Thomas, for, <laughs> and I don't, I, I wonder how he accounted for the, the the claim the testimony of the other ten apostles when they said we've seen the Lord we we're not told what he thought how he explained away their testimony but the fact of the matter is he he didn't believe them uh, and as you said that's certainly applicable to, uh, well, throughout history up to and including um, our own time um, well, well, one of the things that strikes me about this passage uh, it, as, as I was telling you before we started recording, Jesus says to Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but believe. So the connotation there, the implication is that faith is, a, is, is an act that we can choose. You know, we, and, and so in the, the tradition of the church, we talk about faith as the content of what we believe, but also faith as the act by which we believe it. Uh, we, t- we looked at this a little bit when we looked, we looked at um, 
Pope Benedict's apostolic letter, Porta Fide, Door of Faith, uh, last fall, when she talks about the year of faith that we're going to begin this fall. But, but, and it comes out real clear here in Scripture where Jesus tells Thomas to believe. It's something that um, we have to choose to do. It's a virtue, right? Right. Um, well, so, so, so the virtue is more than just the choice. The choice is the, is, is the action itself. The virtue is the habit to do the action. Yeah, great point. So can you elaborate on that? What, what's, what's, the, what's the importance of the distinction? Well, uh, the importance of the distinction is that a, a virtue is a, is a habit. It's a disposition. Um, maybe think of it as, as, as an inclination. Yep. You know, you maybe like uh, if you ever played uh, pool or any sort of table game, like if you just set the ball down and if the, if the table is perfect, it's not going to roll one way or the other. But if you put the ball down, there's a, one leg's a little shorter than the other. The, t- the, the floor is a little off, right, and the ball – will kind of tend to war, roll towards one end or the other. A virtue in that way is, is a habit within our soul and our will and our person so that when a choice comes to us, um, we're not just a neutral playing field. We have tendencies one way or the other. We have a tendency towards disbelief in some areas or we have a tendency towards belief. Right. You know, we have a tendency towards justice. We have a tendency towards injustice. Um, and, so, and, and, and so we can make acts of faith – Right, I believe in the Eucharist, and maybe it's 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 a beautiful Sunday morning, and it's a beautiful mass, and the singers aren't goofing up, and uh, you know everything's going well, and so it's easy to believe in the Eucharist a moment like that. And then uh, it's uh, Thursday afternoon, and a coworker of yours is challenging your belief in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, just ridiculing the faith, and going through all sorts of scandalous stories or things like that. And you know it's a lot harder to believe in a case like that. Right, and that, that's a great that's a great point you make, Father. I mean, here in, in the scripture account, it's more of you know not getting into the the nuances of the distinction, but that's that's a, that is a crucial distinction. I think you know when we talk about infant baptism, when we're baptized, this is another interesting thing, in, uh, incredible or amazing thing about uh, faith, hope, and love—the three supernatural virtues in particular—that we're given these virtues, the inclinations, these inclinations when we're baptized. But for most Catholics, we're baptized as infants. Now, an infant can't make the act of faith, but because they've been baptized, they've received the we received at that moment the uh, the virtue of faith, and therefore our soul sort of becomes ingrained in a sense towards faith towards belief even though we won't be able to actualize that or to make an act of faith for many years to come very much so um so so with that distinction in mind going back that we can make acts of faith they they are uh whether we're inclined toward them or not you know maybe somebody who's a who's an atheist or an agnostic um, lacks the habit of virtue, but they are then therefore the, the, the habit of, sorry, the habit of faith and, and therefore faith in the sense of being a virtue, but they're still able to make acts of faith um, at various times in their lives. Father, I don't know if you saw uh, a week or two ago, um, one of the more prominent, well, somewhat more prominent intellectual uh, atheists who blogs. Uh, Leah Lebesco, I think is her name. She blogs at Apathios and the Atheist Channel. Um, and she's kind of well-known. She, she did have this test where, well, I'm not going to get into the boring details. But she, she's, she's converting and joining the church. 
and she uh, she switched from the atheist channel to the Catholic channel. Uh, and and to me, just a, it when somebody goes from being an atheist to being a Catholic, particularly in our time with all the scandals and so on, it's just a great testimony to the reality and the power of faith. Very much so, and to the integrity of the faith, the wholeness of the faith. Right. So, so it's this act that we we can engage in, but it can be difficult in our time. And I think, you know, looking at historical circumstances, and, and I think you, you uh, might be able to speak a little bit more to this, um, faith can be a challenge depending on the, the currents of the culture in which we live. Right. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, I've been doing some reading, actually on the virtue of faith, and uh, from a, a Thomistic theologian by the name of uh, Reginald Gary Goulagrange. And um, this is talking about faith, and especially the idea of the supernatural sense, uh, the idea that we have a, a sense or an appetite for the supernatural, or eyes, if you will, for the super to see with the eyes of faith in that way. Um, and just so we kind of realize in a lot of ways, uh, I think for those, you and I, everyone of our listeners, we're children of... Uh, intellectual movement or an intellectual intellectual time known as the enlightenment and uh, this so-called enlightenment time was uh you know around 200 years ago or so is uh, a time uh named by the proponents of it where they emphasized reason science and human faculties um which of course christians and the church has always done but the problem with this movement is actually it creates an endarkenment a darkening because in focusing so much uh, and so purely upon the uh, material senses, they neglect the spiritual senses, uh, the side of faith. And so this endarkenment, if you will, um, uh, is a great challenge for us. You and I, uh, everyone of our listeners, uh, even our producer, uh, we're all in some ways... Um, uh, uh, we're some way, you know, we have this inclination against faith in some ways, just in in the intellectual air and the culture that we live in. Right. The 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 the, the cultural air that we breathe uh, very much reduces reality to what is sensible. Uh, if you can't see it, touch it, touch it, uh, feel it, smell it, etc. Um, it's it's reality is questionable if not denied. Um, so, and it's not that we're. Uh, certainly, it's not the case that we all um, or, or others around us, uh, it's not that we consciously think that out. Oh, I'm a, nat uh, um, a naturalist in that sense, right. the, the, the philosophy of naturalism. But, but that's the, the way that we tend to see reality. It's the worldview of the culture around us. A cultural that's prejudice, a even, maybe prejudice. Yeah. Be a way to think about it. It's, it's a way that we're predisposed to look at the world. Exactly. So I can't. Yeah. And, and I think that's to me, that's one of the challenges uh, and one of the well, I don't know if it's the challenge. Well, it's both a challenge, but also the impetus for the new evangelization. Uh, the, the, the fact that we're living in this culture where we're predisposed away from faith, where we're predisposed uh, to to believe only in that which is sensible um, and, and to question or make merely opinion matters of sup the supernatural. Right, and uh, and then we actually have to cultivate uh, our supernatural sense. We actually have to cultivate those eyes of faith to to seek to develop them, to grow them, um, 
and just kind of make them more to use them more in that way. And that's why the, like, the importance of little acts of faith or memorizing some of those memorized prayers, even um, the, the importance of like simple, like when you hear uh, an ambulance or fire siren saying a prayer, mm-hmm. for those involved, um, that prayer would become one of our first responses to things instead of our last resort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, we were talking about being you know, ingrained uh, or predisposed a certain way. Uh, we really have to make those choices more consciously. Where in the past, maybe during the height of the medieval era, um, the culture very much supported the individual believer, uh, the individual disciple um, in, in that way, in the sense of, of, of uh, aiding them as they seek to grow in the virtue of faith and the other virtues as well. Whereas today, um, we have to make the conscious decision much more. On the one hand, um, Obviously, that's unfortunate. On the other hand, it does, in a sense, require that we be more intentional, which is a good thing. Um, you know, th- another aspect of this that, that we, we, were, we, we wanted to talk about was um, we need to invest b- because our cultural is predispo- culture is predisposed against the supernatural. Uh, it requires us maybe to ask questions more today than it did in the past. And that's a good thing. You know, going back to Thomas again, uh, doubting Thomas, um, there's a distinction between asking questions and doubting, which we'll get into, but asking questions in, its, in and of itself is not bad. It's a good thing. In fact, it's necessary, I think, particularly in our day and age, don't you? Right. Uh, very much so. Um, to be able to, 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 to grow in it, right. Just, it's, it's, it, it. sorry, I'm a little, uh, flustered with a side thought in that way, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. In the end, yes. yes. <laughs> but what's the distinction father between questioning and doubting? Are they the same thing or are they different? No, uh, they're different. Um, and yeah, I, when, when we were preparing for this topic, I was thinking a bit about, uh, uh, Cardinal Newman. Uh, Blessed Cardinal Newman, uh, of course, a great theologian from the 19th century, the 1800s, a convert to Catholicism from Anglicanism. It is a beautiful phrase. He's uh, he's writing to people, you know, asking whether he had doubts uh, about becoming a Catholic. Uh, it was now he's writing some time after um, uh, he had become uh, a Catholic. This actually might be in his Apologia Pro Vita Sua, the explanation of his life. And he says, uh, 10,000 difficulties do not make one doubt, as I understand the subject. Difficulty and doubt are incommensurate. They're not, they're not the same. They're not exchangeable. Um, so difficulty might be those times where we don't understand, right? And that's actually a very good point. Um, difficulties are, are those times where we don't understand. I, I don't understand everything about the Holy Trinity. There's things that are difficult in the Holy Trinity for me. Right to understand how God is three persons and yet one God, uh, and that the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, and the Son is not the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is not the Father, uh, and uh, uh, none of them are the other, um, and uh, but they are all God, and there is only one God, um, and so I might that might be difficult for me, but I can still believe it even if it's difficult. Uh, I, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'd like to hear what you say, because I was going to run off on another line. Okay, well, and that reminds me just of the, of the uh, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, too, the classical definition from St. Anselm of Canterbury of um, uh, theology, faith-seeking understanding. Right. You know, we, we believe it, 
we by faith we decide okay i don't get this completely i don't completely understand it this is hard for me to believe i have some difficulties in believing this but i i do believe it but i am going to seek to understand it more completely more fully to resolve the doubts the questions the difficulties that i have and i know that they're resolvable. Maybe I won't ever fully understand it because um, I have a finite mind and, and maybe in the, the Trinity is an infinite mystery, but I can understand it more and my difficulties can be resolved. Right. And that even those difficulties maybe don't have to be fully resolved in some sense. And that that's not exactly a failure of faith. It's not a failure of the reasonableness of faith just because something is difficult. I mean, we all believe and rely upon, in some ways, the theories of quantum mechanics, uh, a field of physics and chemistry that speaks about the interior workings of atoms. And the theories of that quantum mechanics are, are vital for, I mean, the Internet technologies that Dr. Bergel and I are using to record this podcast. Um, but I know of physics and, ke- physics and chemists that don't believe in, uh, that reject the theories of quantum mechanics, even though they might use some of their things. Right. Um, so this idea then of difficulty and doubt, faith seeking understanding, right? Theology is faith seeking understanding. Even though we don't have a perfect understanding, we can still believe. Uh, Father Robert Barron of Internet fame and now the rector of uh, St. Mary's of uh, the Lake Seminary in Mundelein, uh, of the Archdiocese of Chicago, he had a saying on a, on, a, on a web video where he talked about faith being supra-rational and not infra-rational. Um, and it might be an idea to throw down here when we're talking about faith and doubt and belief and difficulties. Um, so he, he's borrowing language from, uh, from light spectrums, right? And we're all familiar with like ultraviolet or infrared. And um, ultraviolet is something beyond violet. It's above violet. Infrared is something below red. And so there's a spectrum of light that you and I can see, which is a very limited uh, section of all light that's out there and there are things that are below red lower than red and above uh purple or violet mm-hmm. he says that faith becomes something that's supra rational faith is something that's supra rational not infrarational. so it's not that we set beside our reasons when we have these difficulties right but actually we go beyond reason we say you know by my reason i don't fully understand this but i'm going to believe on top of this reason not in spite of the reason, or not right. to spite reason, but uh, to go in a sense above and beyond reason. So the 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 uh, so we often talk about the mysteries of faith. Mysterium um, fidei. Exactly. Uh, that that they're not contrary to reason, certainly, but also that we can't fully understand them because they surpass our reason. Again, not as you were saying, not below reason, contradicting reason, just. They're more than we, we, they're intelligible and they're rational, but we cannot completely understand them within the limits of human rationality. Very much so, right? And we should not be as, uh, ashamed or feel difficulty about that in that way. And, and, and so, sort of going back to the difficulties and, and, and the questions that were the the, the, uh, the statement rather that um, Blessed uh, Cardinal John, Newman, John Henry Newman made. Uh, it's it's good to and as i said earlier it's good to ask questions it's important to ask questions but that's not the same as doubting we we accept that it's true and then we seek to understand why it's true and historically you know especially the examples i always give are from the early church where um 
there were challenges made to the fundamental beliefs and doctrines of Christianity, the Trinity, the Incarnation, and so on. And the church, uh, in responding to the, the false ideas, the heresies, um, first said, this is true because we've always believed it. We, we, we know it's true, but now in order to, to respond to these challenges, we're going to explain and seek to understand more fully. So it's not as if some great Trinitarian discourse uh, had to be written and then the church affirmed the, the belief in the Trinity. No, the church affirmed the belief in the Trinity because it had always been so and then sought to, sought to more fully understand it in order to explain it to others. Very much so. It's good. So yeah. So any other, anything else about um, Saint Thomas or, or riffing off of him as we have been about faith that you think would be worth to share? Um, well, just maybe of interest, uh, Pope Saint Gregory the Great uh, in a homily uh, talks about how we should, in a certain sense, thank Thomas in a way for uh, for going in and not being ashamed. You know, I think one of the things uh, maybe we might encounter, and I, and I certainly maybe encountered this with college students, and maybe been away from their faith or have had their faith attacked, especially in academic courses, is they're afraid to take their doubts or their difficulties uh, to the Lord, right, or to the church for answers. When you have doubts or difficulties, we should always go to the church, whether it's to scriptures, to the catechism, to our priest, pastor, whatever it might be, that we should always try to make that effort uh, and and trust that it's in the church in that way uh, we're going to find an answer to these difficulties. Absolutely. And not to uh, let them be persist. Sorry, say that again? And not to let them persist. Right, right. So ask the questions. I mean, it, you know, yes. it might take some effort and work, but, but it's, it's worth it. I, both you and I, 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 I'll speak for myself, and I think you'd affirm, it's worth the effort to understand the why. Yes. Yes. Good. Um, well, I think with that, Father, uh, we'll leave things at that until next week. Sound good? Sounds excellent to me. All right. We'll be back next week with another episode of Ignition. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignition. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future topics, you can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Again, thanks for listening.